Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. I've got a great lesson for us today. haven't taught it in a while, uh, but... Uh, we're in the book of Exodus, and it's, it's in the book of Exodus, uh, starting in Exodus 25 through the end of the book, uh, about five, six chapters or more, where God begins to lay out some detailed plans for the building of the tabernacle. And... Uh, Within this teaching, there's a description that is so, uh, it's God's blueprint of how I want you to build a sanctuary where my presence can dwell. And, uh, and so God gives revelation. He gives uh, some of the purpose of why we're building a tabernacle and then later why uh, we're building a temple, and then uh, our New Testament revelation is now we are the temple. And so symbolically, what God is establishing in these final chapters of excellence is a blueprint for how to build a successful spiritual life that includes the manifested presence of God in our lives. How many of you can use more of Jesus? More of the presence of the Lord? Well, there's secrets and mysteries that God gives in the Old Testament that brought His presence to Israel that we can adapt to the New Testament and our New Testament revelation. And so, the building of the tabernacle was meant to be uh, uh, how we would capture what happened at Mount Sinai. We're going to build a tabernacle for the presence of God so that it will be representative of, a memorial of, what happened at Mount Sinai. And, uh, and so uh, this would be the place now where God would choose to be close to His people. Amen? This is where Moses would hear from God. Uh, and this is where... Uh, this is where God's voice would emanate between the cherubs on the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. And this, the tabernacle, the Mishkan in Hebrew, the Mishkan, this is where Israel would bring their sacrifices to atone for their sins and to express their thanks and gratitude that we serve an awesome God. Amen? Amen. And so, one of the great rabbis in all of Jewish history, uh, Maimonides, uh, said that when you study the tabernacle, you, it's connected with coming out of Egypt. And he says that Israel's redemption from Egypt 
was not complete even with the giving of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. Even though the chief goal of the Exodus was giving that revelation to Israel at Sinai, uh, there was something more. And that's what we're talking about today, the building of the tabernacle. God wanted his presence and that covenant power preserved for all the future generations. This is the challenge of Christianity today in that we think Christianity is just for me. This week we have an evangelism conference taking place that reminds us that the gospel just isn't for me, my wife, us four, and no more. But that we're to be the light of the world, the Shekinah glory of God, many walking tabernacles that are reflecting the image of God, the glory of God, the light of God, so that the world can see we serve a mighty God, an awesome God. And so building a place for the presence of God was Israel's goal. And what was true then is true now. Amen? That's one of the main goals of Christianity. Don't listen to the people that say there's nothing you have to do. No, we we have to become living tabernacles, reflecting the love and light of the gospel. Amen? And so building our lives to accomplish that in such a way is what's going to not only bring the presence of God, but maintain the presence of God. It's like when you look at the Asbury Revival that's caught on in all these different colleges and universities. And here we have an evangelism conference scheduled long before uh, anybody knew about Asbury. we were watching uh, the uh, on YouTube some of the footage. They didn't have a big professional deal going. All they had was kids who wanted a touch from God, who wanted to experience the presence of God, just seeking the Lord in worship and seeking the Lord in prayer and just some guy just strumming a guitar. And yet, uh, Wanderson, Pastor Wanderson went there. He said, the power and presence of God was so thick. Why? Because of the hunger that those students uh, had down in Texas A&M there's a revival going on they're baptizing people in the public fountains on a secular campus and for you and I that you know how it manifests it will work different in different people everybody just it's not a cookie cutter one size fits all thing but our heart is god i want to experience your presence i want to reflect your love to a world that needs it amen and so that's all part of this teaching The building of the tabernacle. And God uh, uh, shares it in such detail that you realize that God cares about every detail of our lives. That's one of the big takeaways there. In, in, In defining creation, God used about 33 verses. 
But in, de- uh, in, in detailing the building of the tabernacle, which again is a reflection on building our lives successfully on the Word of God, over 400 verses. So creation, although that's important, doesn't seem to be as important as your unique and individual life and what God wants to do in you and through you. So the final chapters of Exodus hold some of the secrets to building a successful relationship with the Lord. And one of the secrets... Uh, that he gives us is a pattern for our prayer life. I can see I didn't make enough of the uh, tabernacle prayer handout, so we'll have to make some more and uh, you can pick them up next week. But God not only built the tabernacle itself, but he put artifacts on the inside of the tabernacle. And it's these artifacts, how he laid them out, how they were designed to be placed in the tabernacle, show us how we draw close to the Lord. From entering his gates with thanksgiving and praise, all the way into the holy of holies, there's a plan and a pattern, a blueprint to show us how to draw near to God. And the Bible says when you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. So this makes prayer one of the most uh, important pillars of a successful life. And that's why your flesh never feels like praying. Could you not tarry one hour? The the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. (laughs) Why is that? Because prayer changes things. Prayer can take you places you can't go on your own. Amen. Prayer helps you to see the invisible. To believe the impossible. To trust God that uh, no matter what it might look like in the natural, by faith, through the eye of faith, and through the power of prayer, I can overcome, you can overcome every circumstance. And so, prayer is part of God's plan to build us. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Write that on your spiritual chalkboard 500 times if you're feeling down and out. God's building us into prevailing people and a big part of prevailing is in prayer. Amen? Without a solid prayer life, it's almost impossible to grow spiritually. How do we fight our battles? Remember that song? This is how we fight our battles. Amen? In prayer. And there's many different kinds of prayer. Ephesians 6 talks about uh, praying in all kinds with all manner of prayer. And uh, I've got a whole lesson on that we can't get into today. But we're going to specifically talk about tabernacle prayer. And as we learn tabernacle prayer, how many of you ever learned uh, the Lord's Prayer, the extended version, how each aspect of the Lord's Prayer is another part of praying to the Lord? Yeah. 
And so it is today with the tabernacle. And so when we pray and we say prayer changes things, it's not so much that we change God's mind, but prayer helps us to change ourselves. And we become transformed through the renewing of our mind, through the power of prayer, so that we can prove what? That good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Amen? And once we get ourselves figured out, (laughs) for some of us that's pretty easy, but for others, man, how long is this stuff going to go on in my life? Well, some things don't come out except by prayer and fasting. And God is saying, be prepared. If you keep fighting the same old devils, be prepared to take your prayer life to a new level. Because to get to that new level means you got to kill another devil. And then once, once that process takes place, uh, it's so much easier uh, to want to be in a position to help others. Right? So, tabernacle prayer. God gives us seven specific locations, seven artifacts that bring us one step closer to personal godliness and to the fulfillment of the promises of God and the presence of God in our lives. Each stop builds us. Each stop equips us. Each stop transforms us. And the first stop is... At the front gates. In the tabernacle, the gates that entered into uh, the tabernacle were the, it was the eastern gate. And when you go to Israel today, uh, you'll see the old city, you'll see on the east side a walled up eastern gate. And that's the gate of the Messiah. And, and God's saying, when you Come into my tabernacle, come through my gates with thanksgiving, and enter my courts with praise. That's Psalm 100. Why? Why does God want? Because that creates an attitude and an atmosphere of faith. Praise and worship builds your faith. Amen? God inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. And praise is an act of releasing your faith. Amen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, the Bible says. So building your faith through prayer and praise is essential to living a victorious life. It lays the foundation to approach God. So let's just do that right now, right where you sit. You watching via Zoom, let me just pray this prayer. Close your eyes, softly pray in the Holy Spirit. Father, I come before you right now. All of us come before you right now with praise and thanksgiving for all you've done and for all you're about to do. We're so thankful, Lord, for every blood-bought blessing. And we worship you that we're saved, that we're healed, that we're delivered, that we're children of the King. Hallelujah. And we praise you, God. We're forgiven.
We praise you, Lord, we're saved. We praise you, Lord, that you've called us out of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that your love touches us. We thank you that you've planted us in a great church. Father, we praise you for every covenant promise. We thank you today healing comes, long life comes, happiness comes, favor comes, prosperity comes, financial abundance comes, creativity and energy and so much more. It's all ours. Hallelujah. And we worship and praise your mighty name for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. So you enter the eastern gates with praise and thanksgiving. And the first thing that you see is the brazen altar. And the brazen altar in the tabernacle is the place of sacrifice. Most people don't understand that the sacrifice wasn't done by drive-by dropping off the lamb and then getting the heck out of there. <laughs> Here, I'm going to drop, drop the sh- my little innocent lamb off at the, at, the, uh, at the altar and then I'm out of here. No, you walked up the ramp with the priest and the priest had a, a knife that was there for slaughter and guess who he gave the knife to? You, me, the sinner, the one in need of a breakthrough, in need of forgiveness. Amen? And that's one of the reasons that the New Testament is a better covenant. Probably the key reason. Because now we have an eternal sacrifice and we don't need to do that anymore. By faith we claim the power of the blood to bring forgiveness and repentance Instead of having to do it live. Yeah, thank you. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, if people had to do that, there'd be a lot less sin in the world. Because you would say to you, I'm not going to keep doing this once or twice a week. (laughs) I'm going to clean up my act. But by faith we do that. And forgiveness is always available. Seven times 70. You can fall 70 times. Seven times 70 times. And the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God is always there. Although God would like you to clean up your act. So maybe watch the passion a few times. Especially the parts you don't like to watch. And that might stir you up. Man, I, I, don't, I need to stop sinning so that I can uh, uh, walk worthy of what Jesus paid for by his blood. Amen. So all of this that's going on at the brazen altar is a vivid picture of God providing the payment for the wages of sin. Amen. And it pointed to what the Messiah would come to do. And like we said, thanks be to God that Jesus is our living sacrifice, our eternal sacrifice, and uh, forgiveness The love of God, the grace of God, the mercies of God, that's the core message of the gospel. And I'm sure that when the team went out yesterday on the streets, I'm sure that played a big part in the messaging. 
It's not turn or burn, you heathen pagan sinner. No, God loves you so much that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish but receive eternal life. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Amen. Father, thank You so much for sending the Lamb of God, Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah, to pay the price for all of our sin. Father God, thank you that we are now blood-bought property and that through Yeshua we have forgiveness and reconciliation. Thank you, Lord. Every curse is broken. Hallelujah. Sin is broken. Sickness is broken. In the name of Jesus, we bind sickness. And we loosen the Spirit of God to defeat every enemy of the gospel, every enemy that comes against us. We say, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Hallelujah. And we release healing and prosperity and dominion and authority and the peace of God and the joy of the Lord. Restoration. Every covenant promise be released over my life, over your life, our family, our finances, our church, over America, over Israel, over all the nations of the world. Let the Spirit of God and the blood of Christ cleanse this world of every sin. Father, bless you. And thank you. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a praise. Tabernacle prayer. Just past the brazen altar is the laver. This is the copper kettle with all the water in it. Living water. And it was located halfway between the altar and the holy place. And we'll get to that in just a moment. And once uh, you left the altar, part of the ministry is that you, the priests went to wash their hands in the laver and, uh, and their feet as well before they could enter in to the next stop on this journey towards the Holy of Holies. And uh, so the laver... Uh, represents baptism. Amen? And uh, it's one of several forms of baptism. How many of you have been in a teaching with Pastor Larry where he's talked about the hand washing? You've done a hand washing, perhaps. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so this is a, a, a ceremonial cleansing. It's, it's an act of purification and sanctification, that I'm washing away every sin, I'm washing away every curse, I'm washing away every limitation that would block the blessing of God from coming into my life. In Hebrew, baptism takes place in the mikvah. Uh, when we go to Israel in a few months, we'll uh, 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 go down to the pool of Siloam, uh, down from the city of David, down from uh, the uh, Temple Mount. And it's the biggest mikvah, the biggest baptismal uh, pool in, uh, that's ever been excavated. And uh, all the the Jews and Gentiles seeking the Lord, especially during 
Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Tabernacles would start down at the pool of Siloam with a ritual cleansing. Because I don't, I want to wash away every sin. I want every curse broken. Anything that might be preventing me from drawing close to the Lord, I'm just leaving it. And I receive and you receive ceremonially purification. And, uh, and so ancient wisdom teaches that when you wash your hands, uh, years ago, uh, we uh, in Tiberius we went to Maimonides' tomb in Tiberius, and they he, they had uh, you know a gift shop there. So I got one of Maimonides' hand washing cups. I wanted that Jewish roots, that uh, that ancient uh, wisdom anointing, I, and it's right there. And uh, uh, every time I study, wash my hands. And just, Father, thank you for cleansing me, for purifying me, uh, and Father, for helping me to renew my mind and to see the message of the gospel clearly and how to communicate it clearly. Hebrews uh, 10.22 talks about this. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with blood to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Amen. So the ancient Christian church in Jerusalem and how it spread, they understood the power of baptism. This is one of the reasons why in Mark 16, the Bible says, He or she that is baptized will be saved. That salvation is talking about down on the ground while we're still around because sin and temptation and curses are attacking us at all times. The devil and powers and principalities are trying to corrupt us and we're fighting back with the washing of the water. And that includes not only ceremonially with water, but also washing of the water of the Word. The Word of God has a a cleansing effect. It purifies our soul and it builds our lives with a vision and a direction that you're not going to get going to college. Unless it may be Asbury College and colleges like that, you'll, you'll get a good dose of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So let's pray. Tabernacle prayer, the third stop, the labor. Father, thank you right now. We're drawing near to you. And we're drawing near to you with a pure and sincere heart. We want more of you, Lord. And we want anything in our lives that is keeping us from drawing closer and closer to be washed away through the water of the word. And Father, right now we give you thanks and praise. You're renewing our minds and giving us your vision, your thoughts, and an understanding of your ways. We thank you and bless you, Father, for a fresh anointing in our lives. We release purpose and destiny and vision and faith and we release a new beginning where we're clean and purified by the power of the blood and the power of the word in Jesus name amen and amen give the Lord a praise come on somebody
Number four, the table of showbread. From the outer court, that, that all happened in the outer court, both in the tabernacle and in the temple. Uh, but then you get into the place called the holy. And this is where the table of showbread and the menorah and the golden altar were positioned. And when you walked into the holy, on the right side is this table full of 12 loaves of challah bread. And they were put on the table every Friday night in conjunction with the Sabbath. And in Bible times and in Jewish teaching, the reason that the table of showbread is so important is it's a vivid reminder that our God is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Amen. Amen. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And, and those 12 loaves covering the 12 tribes, covering all of Israel, is that my goodness, my mercy, my prosperity, my blessing will never run out. And in ancient wisdom, the, the, the bread never got stale. And then they shared that uh, bread from that week and put 12 new loaves up, and it was just an ongoing process. You and I can thank the Lord that, that He is our table of showbread. And that He will bless us and prosper us. Amen. Beloved, I pray above all things that you be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. Thank God for a prosperous soul. In Hebrew, one of the root meanings of the word showbread means to overcome. It means to prevail. It means to make war. What, what does that have to do with the bread? It shows us that we're meant to overcome poverty. We're meant to overcome lack and shortage. God wants us to experience an abundant life where the blessing of God has got a continual flow. Amen? Now we, we don't necessarily start there. Because we come in and we're carrying all this baggage, the weight of sin. We haven't renewed our minds. But that's why people need to be in a Bible-believing church that believes in signs and wonders and miracles and building your faith in seeing with the eye of faith and speaking with the word of faith. Yeah, but you don't know my circumstances. I don't have my eye on my... I'm binding the circumstances. We need to learn to do that. Spiritual warfare. Not every church will teach you that. And that's why not the church sometimes seems to be impotent. Where's the power of the church? Because we're going through the liturgy, we're going through the traditions, but we're denying the power of God in our lives. How do I release that power? By understanding what we're talking about today. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you are El Shaddai. You are Jehovah Jireh in our lives. And we thank you so much that you take pleasure in prospering your servants.
And we bless you today for divine favor, for abundant blessing in our finances, in our businesses, in our investments, in all that we're setting our hand to do. We declare and decree prosperity come, victory come, and overwhelming favor come in our lives in the name of Jesus. We declare every hindrance, every obstacle be removed and cast into the sea. And we claim increase today, abundance today in our salaries, in our paychecks. We thank you, Lord. Unexpected income is coming our way. Miracle opportunities are coming our way. We thank you for the sevenfold return from anything the devil has stolen. He may have stolen it from our ancestors, but we call in the blessing. We call back in what was stolen, and we loosen debt cancel divine favor and we give you thanks and praise and glory and honor amen and amen give the lord another praise tabernacle prayer the building of the tabernacle represents building our lives and one of the pillars of building a good successful spiritual life is building a good prayer life a strong prayer life look if all you came in with is now i lay me <laughs> that's okay stick around you'll learn how to build momentum Because the effective, fervent prayers of righteous men and women are what get results. Praise God. So across from the showbread, uh, table of showbread, is the menorah. This is inside the holy place. And the menorah is that seven-branched candelabra. Your Bibles, uh, our Bible always call it a candelabra, but it's a menorah. That's the Hebrew word. And the menorah was God's light in the tabernacle. God's light in the temple. And it represents the Shekinah glory of God and the presence of God Himself. So every time you see that menorah, how many of you uh, have a menorah? Maybe uh, during Hanukkah you lit a Hanukkah menorah, the nine-branched menorah. But the the temple menorah, the tabernacle menorah was seven-branched. Branches. And the seven branches uh, have come to represent the seven spirits of God from Isaiah chapter 11. Go to Isaiah 11 uh, and look that up. Uh, later on we don't have time today to do that but it describes the seven spirits of God number one the spirit of the Lord number two the wisdom of the Lord Number three, the understanding of the Lord. Number four, the counsel of the Lord. Number five, the strength of the Lord. Number six, the knowledge of the Lord. And number seven, the fear of the Lord. And that's in a a Jewish mind. When you see the menorah, uh, that's what they're taught to see. And it stirs something up. It should stir something up in you and I that we want these spirits of the Lord in our lives. The power of God, the anointing of God, the wisdom of God, the strength of God, the knowledge of God. This is, this is why we can walk in victory. My people are destroyed because they're missing all of this. 
Well, I just thought we came and sang a few songs and uh, listened to a sermonette and, you know, God would honor that. Well, he probably honors that a little bit. But when you got Goliaths coming against you, you need more than an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny light shining. Right? If I'm lying, I'm dying. When, when I think about the menorah, I'm always reminded of the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1. In Ephesians 1, it says he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That, look, that, that's, that sums up what we need to do to have more blessing and victory. Whatever is blocking my vision, blinding me from seeing the truth, God, remove that from my life. Yeah. And it says, when your eyes are enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. And what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? Amen? So let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we love you so much. And we thank you for an outpouring of your wisdom and revelation knowledge. Let it be released upon our lives right now in the name and by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, we thank You that Your Word is a lamp unto our feet. Your Word is a light unto our path. That You're guiding us, directing us, and counseling us, anointing us to be overcomers, to be prevailing people, to be godly people, holy people, loving people, filled with grace and mercy. Father, I loosen that wisdom and knowledge. Let it flow out of me and all of us like a river of living water to bless those around me, the people at my work, in my family, wherever I go. Lord, let the love of God flow out of me, the wisdom of God flow out of me. Father, thank You that every difficult situation is solved today. Whatever's coming against us today, Father, in your presence, release the answer on what we must do in order to overcome. And Father, we thank you as well. You anoint us for your service and help us to be the light of the world. Amen this morning and amen. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Okay, the sixth artifact in the holy place is the altar of incense, the golden altar. It's right at the doorway of the Holy of Holies. And here is where the priest would offer up incense twice a day. And that incense is a symbol of our prayers going up to heaven. It's our intercession for our loved ones, for our nation, that's going up to the throne of God. And the Bible says that it's a sweet fragrance. Isn't it good to know that God considers our prayers a sweet fragrance? Not only do we want more of God, God wants more of our prayer. Amen?
And it reveals a dimension of intimacy, doesn't it? Amen? It shows us how much God wants us to draw near to Him and pray to Him. Listen to Psalm 141. Verse 2 says, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Hallelujah. And then this scripture from Revelation 8, verse 3. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of the saints, went up before God from the angel's hand. Hallelujah. Do you realize that's happening right now? As we've been in an atmosphere of prayer and praise, what do you think is happening? It's going up to the throne of God. And it's a sweet fragrance to the Lord. Today, that incense includes praise. And this is what uh, the writer of Hebrews was expressing when he said, Let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Amen. That connects back to entering His courts with praise. The golden altar also represents the Lord Himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He forever lives to pray for us. Oh my gosh. Our God is so awesome that the Lord Jesus sits at the right hand of the throne of God the Father forever living to intercede over our lives. Father, we love You today. And we can't thank You enough that our prayers come up before You and they're a sweet fragrance to You. And Father, we lift up our voice of prayer and praise today and worship You with all of our heart. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless Your holy name, Lord. And Father, we thank You for every covenant promise every benefit, every blessing of the gospel that you're releasing into our lives. And we intercede for our family, our loved ones, our friends, people that, uh, Father, we've known for ages that need a touch from heaven, those that are struggling with sickness, those that are struggling with sin. Father, we pray for them and intercede for them that their eyes be open, that Jesus is the answer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, my God. We are the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. I am healed. I am whole. I am blessed. I am anointed. I am prosperous. I have vision. I have guidance and wisdom, direction and peace and joy, prosperity in every way. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise.
All of that leads us right now to the Holy of Holies, the final step in drawing close to the Lord in the Holy of Holies. This is the actual resting place for the Shekinah glory of God. What manifested on Mount Sinai has now been relocated into the tabernacle. And in the, ta- in, uh, the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And that contained the Ten Commandments and uh, other artifacts that represent our covenant relationship with the Lord. And as we said, this is where Moses heard from the Lord. And it's this representation of Mount Sinai where there's this intimate relationship with the Lord taking place. Where he is saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. Amen. Once a year on Yom Kippur, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle the blood of the Lamb on the mercy seat seven times to release the blessing of God. And that's all symbolic of the seven places that Jesus shed his blood. Pastor has done a whole teaching on this. It's powerful teaching. And in our New Testament revelation, uh, 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 we see that there used to be a veil there keeping everybody out from the presence of God but then at the crucifixion of Jesus all of a sudden that veil was rent from bottom to top some people thought it was top to bottom they say it's from bottom to top just to show you just how much of a miracle that really is And it was a dramatic sign, a powerful sign that through the Messiah there would no longer be anything that would separate us from the presence of God, the love of God, and the blessing of God. Amen? Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Do you know grace means God's riches at Christ's expense? grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Thank God for the power of the blood. Amen. And when we come boldly before the throne of grace, we're asking for mercy, it says, that we may receive mercy. Mercy uh, is not getting what you do deserve. (laughs) I have to have lots of mercy for my grandson. (laughs) That little bugger. (laughs) He's into everything. And i got to remind myself, mercy, mercy, mercy. Yeah. Sound like a Cannonball Adderley song. Mercy, mercy. Amen. So in the Holy of Holies, this is our uh, divine opportunity to pray for so many things, but especially to pray for more than yourself. Right? It's just not about me. It's about us. And that's where intercession comes in. So let's just uh, intercede for our loved ones. Amen. Father, we love you and thank you for this revelation of tabernacle prayer, for drawing us close to you.
and showing us how prayer and especially tabernacle prayer brings us closer to your presence, closer to your promises, closer to your power. Thank you. You're the answer for everything, Lord. Thank you for signs and wonders and miracles in my family, all of my sisters and brothers and nieces and nephews and cousins and aunts and uncles and extended family, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas that need a touch from God. Father, we bind the devil. We release your presence. We release salvation. We release healing. We release blessing in every way. Father, break every curse and let there just be a flow of blessing out of our own lives. And we keep this spirit alive, the spirit of prayer, the spirit of evangelism, the spirit of faith, the spirit of vision, the spirit of wisdom and knowledge. Thank you, Lord, that you're merciful to us. You're rich in grace and mercy. And we thank you that it's not only over our family, it's over our church, over our nation, over Israel, and the nations of the world, we pray. Amen and amen. Tabernacle prayer. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. I'll make more.